This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Magid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. The Book of Equanimity, Case 1. The World Honored One Ascends the Platform. Preface. Close the gate and snooze. That's how to treat a superior person. Reflection, abbreviation, and elaboration are used for middling and inferior ones. How can you stand for someone to ascend the high seat and scowl? If anyone around here doesn't agree, step forward. I have no doubts about him. The case. One day, the world-honored one ascended the platform and took his seat. Manjushri stuck, struck the sounding post and said, when you realize the Dharma King's Dharma, the Dharma King's Dharma is just as is. At that, the world honored one descended from the platform. The verse, you see the true manner of the primal stage. Mother nature goes on weaving, warp and woof. The woven old brocade contains the images of spring. Nothing can be done about Manjushri's outflowing. Preface begins, close the gate and snooze. That's how to treat a superior person. Well, I guess that's what I've been doing for you this month of August. Leaving you alone to your own devices. We can say this is simply turning you over to life, the only teacher. And the verse says, that's how you treat a superior person. But life is, the teacher is sometimes too difficult, sometimes too subtle. And so we reconvene. To sit together in session, to give and listen to Dharma talks, even when this case seems to undercut the very idea of giving a Dharma talk. The form of the case itself is interesting because it seems to describe event in the life of Shakyamuni Buddha 
where when a Dharma talk was announced, he came up to the platform, sat for a moment in silence, and then simply got down again and left. It's presented as if it's a little excerpt from a sutra, an excerpt from some account we have of Buddhist teaching. But like the uh, story of Buddha holding up a flower and Maka Kasyapa smiling and thus receiving Dharma transmission, these stories have no uh, historical basis uh, in any of the accounts we have uh, from India. They're not part of any of the old uh, Pali canon, any of the sutras. What they represent is a particular Zen teaching originating in China, probably something like a thousand years after the life of the Buddha. But the teaching is put into the form of a story about the Buddha. And the Buddha here gets to act like a Zen master rather than the Zen masters acting the way Buddha himself might have acted a thousand years before. This is how the teaching is carried on. And in a sense, you can say, if you want to establish the authority of what you're teaching, what better way to make it seem authentic than to put it in the mouth of the Buddha, even if what you're putting there is silence or just a gesture of holding up a flower. So how do we respond to the case? Manjushri announces a talk. Buddha ascends the platform. Is silent for a moment. Manjushri says, if you understand the Dharma King's Dharma, it's just this. And the Buddha gets down. What was he referring to? I think there's some danger in hearing this story in thinking that what the Buddha is presenting is silence and that the best expression of the Dharma is the Buddha's noble silence and that any words, any action already either confuse or mar or contaminate the purity of the, the teaching, which is just this silence. 
And if we consciously or merely implicitly take that to be the point of the story, then we think our practice of sitting will involve the cultivation of that kind of imperturbable silence, a silence of great depth, great immediacy. That is just this. Now, Buddhist silence certainly does manifest just this as it is. But so does his getting up and walking over to the platform and sitting down. So does his getting up and leaving. So does Manjushri's hitting uh, the announcing board. So does Manjushri speaking and telling us the Buddha will speak, telling us Buddha's Dharma is just this. Everything that happens in this little vignette equally is an expression of the moment, of just this. The Buddha, the Dharma King's Dharma. And I think that is the challenge in our practice. Not to zero in on some special meditative state of silence or equanimity. But each moment just as it is. And that, of course, is what no matter how much we pay lip service to the idea that each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, at each moment, just this is the absolute. What we do over and over again is reject that, reject that moment, reject that teaching. Not quite it, not what I expected. Not quite the moment I want to become one with. Maybe the next one, maybe a better one. And so we go through life sort of a perennial sort of expression of not it, not yet. And this was, uh, you could say, Joko's basic teaching to bring you back to that moment after moment rejection of the moment and accept that. You have to start someplace. Start with your saying, this isn't it. Start with your feeling this isn't it as your irritation or boredom or anxiety, or judgments, or wandering mind. Come back to all the things that express your resistance, and let that be your starting point.
those two are the Dharma King's Dharma. The verse expresses this by saying, Mother Nature goes on weaving warp and woof. The woven old brocade contains the images of spring. The warp and woof of nature, of everything that's happening, you could say is a description of the relative world. All the interactions, variations that go into a world that's full of difference, of comparison, of this quality versus that quality. And the curious thing about the image for me is that if we think about the thread that nature is using to weave the warp and woof of the tapestry of the moment, that thread, we could say, is the absolute. And yet it's woven in this complex way to create the relative. And when we look at the relative world, the world of nature, the world that we occupy, we tend to just see this whole elaborate pattern and complexity, some of which is very beautiful, some of which is very confusing, some of which brings joy, some bring suffering and pain. It's a complex pattern. And the odd thing that our practice does in a way is try to get a hold of one thread in that complicated fabric and just pull on it a little bit. Pull it out and look at it. Experience it. And when we do that, if, even if it's a thread of anger or a thread of anxiety or a thread of thinking, making judgments, when we take it in isolation and say at just this moment, oh, we see the absolute. The absolute is no different from each one of those moments, regardless of its content. We see it as our true self. We see it as our original face, which is nothing other than being fully present in this moment, even though this moment is connected to all sorts of other moments by our psychology of likes and dislikes and karma and everything else you want to call this complicated interweaving. Now, one of the things we mean by 
having an experience of awakening, or kensho, is to have just some momentary experience of one of those threads coming loose and seeing it. Oh, that's it. It's just as it is. We may even say it's perfect just as it is. It's fabulous and wonderful just as it is. And when we first do that, I mean, I think sometimes people get very gaga about that kind of, oh, wow, right? You just want to go running around and point to it to, to people. Can't get over it. But in the verse, that's sort of what uh, Manjushri is being chided for. That's his outpouring, his leaking. He's, e he's even announcing just this is the Dharma King's Dharma. It's as if, what a shame to, to say so. It's sort of embarrassing, right? And you're sort of making a spectacle of yourself, running around, saying, oh, wow, look at this, that's it. Right? Supposed to be cooler than that in Zen, right? <laughs> The Book of Equanimity is a koan collection, is one particularly favored by the Soto school. And you could think of this, putting this koan first in the collection is a way of sort of drawing out and challenging what might be a Soto idea of just sitting is it, right? Where the Buddhist silence is it. But as you really engage the, the koan, we are, we're asked to, to see not, not the silence at the center of the story, but everything else that goes around, on around it. Each action, each setup, each response, all that is the Dharma King's Dharma. Don't get sucked into uh, a valorization of the noble silence. You have to get up onto the platform first. And when you're done, you have to get down one thing after another. Life as it is. <laughs>